You are Locked On Jets, your daily New York Jets podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to the Locked On Jets podcast for Wednesday, February 24th, 2021. I'm your host, John B. from gangreennation.com. This is a daily podcast covering the New York Jets. If you enjoy this show, subscribe to it where podcasts are found, and please leave it a good review. It is Wednesday, which means it is time for our weekly mailbag. Thanks to everybody who sent in questions. Our first question is about a potential trade-down scenario. What are your thoughts on this draft day scenario? The Jets trade down from 2-8 to eight if the Panthers don't get Watson in a trade with Carolina. In exchange, the Jets get a 2021 third-round pick and a 2022 first-round pick. Then the Jets draft the tight end Pitts out of Florida at number 8 overall. We've seen what a game-changing tight end can do in Shanahan's offense. Pitts looks impressive, and I think that he could be a serious fle- uh, threat in LaFleur's offense. I understand the argument for taking a quarterback second overall, and know there's no perfect way of roster construction, but if these guys are in major need of uh, development, shouldn't we establish a better personnel foundation first? We've been through this before, not giving the quarterback a competent supporting cast, and it's hurt them. Let's keep accruing draft capital and make the big deal for an arsenal of draft picks when the roster is ready. So, essentially, to summarize that the idea would be for the Jets to trade down get a lot of picks pick the tight end pits out of Florida and build their draft capital for the future I think that the fan base wants the Jets to go in a certain direction I think that you always as a fan you tend to want the team to go get a quarterback because I think a quarterback kind of equates with hope even if you go seven and nine next year if you have a rookie quarterback you feel like you're building something. You feel like you're you're doing something for the future because even in games that you lose, you feel like your quarterback's getting some experience. He's getting some development. And it makes losing a lot more palatable. And if the Jets go 7-9 and nine next year with Sam Darnold, I think the perception will be that the team is not going anywhere, that Darnold had his last chance and he failed. But ultimately, I think of 2021 as a building year for this franchise. I think 2020 was just a year to get through. Even if you go back to the offseason, I think the general perception that I had and a lot of people had was that the Jets had the potential for a bright future, but 2020, things were looking like they were going to be tough. 2021 is a year about building. And I've said this before, I don't think that there's necessarily a right way to build a ro- to build a team in the NFL you need a quarterback, but a quarterback alone is not enough. So the, what the Jets need, the Jets need to get a quarterback, and they need to get other pieces around them. Now, I think with the resources that the Jets have, with all of these draft picks and with all of the cap space this year, it should not be a situation where if you draft a quarterback second all, they are entering a roster as barren as Sam Darnold had. So I do think that there's a plausible case to draft a quarterback second overall, again, because of how important the position is. But I also do think that there's, this could present the Jets a, well, a once-in-a-decade opportunity to really build the infrastructure of this roster if they do trade down, because as many picks as they have right now and as much cap space as they have right now, they need all of it. And adding even more resources would be really helpful moving forward. Now, if you do that, the risk is 
you're banking on your ability to get a quarterback in the future. And that's a risk. Sometimes people think the word risky means bad. It doesn't. It means risky. There are teams that have passed on a quarterback one year in need of one, and then the next year selected a quarterback and were able to find their guy. In some cases, it was even the right move. If you think back to 2016 with Cleveland, they were in a position to take Carson Wentz. They were in desperate need of a quarterback. They were a horrible football team, and they traded down to stockpile more picks for the future. Now, in retrospect, I think that looks like a pretty smart decision now that they ended up with Baker Mayfield instead of picking Wentz. So I don't think it's always the case that you have to draft the quarterback when you're sitting in a position to draft one, because the guy actually has to be good. And you need the rest of your roster to also be up to par. If you put a if you put any young quarterback, I don't care if it's Trevor Lawrence, I don't care if it's Justin Fields, I don't care if it's Zach Wilson, you put any quarterback on the 2020 Jets, they're probably not going to have success because they're just being asked to do too much. So, you know, I, I don't know that there's a wrong decision as far as this goes because if you draft a quarterback and that guy turns out to be good, can you really say the Jets made a mistake? No. If they trade down and are able to really build the roster up and put the next quarterback in a position to succeed, can you say that that's a bad move? No. And of course, can you say it's a bad move if they trade for Deshaun Watson? No. The way What I see is not necessarily the right way and the wrong way to build up the team. What I see are just different options. It depends on what which path you want to take, and the Jets need to assess the landscape and figure out which is the best path for them. Our next question, the offseason quarterback debate between Darnold and a potential draft pick is among the most critical decisions any Jets general manager has ever had to make. If you were Joe Douglas, how would you approach a decision of this magnitude? I think ultimately, for me, what it comes down to is whether you think either Fields or Wilson is a viable option. And then what can you get in a potential trade down? Essentially, you have to quantify what these options are all worth. And it's very difficult to say in a hypothetical sense because, you know, what are the Jets getting in a return for the number two pick if they decide to trade down? And how good do you think Fields or Wilson Wilson are? And, you know, the Jets have their own grading system, so I'm sure they can quantify the value of all of these things. But... For me, Darnold is almost kind of incidental to this. It goes back to what I just said in the first question. It's a matter of how you want to build your team. I I don't think you can just say Sam Darnold is our guy going forward because I don't think we've seen enough out of him to, to, to move forward with him as the franchise quarterback. The thing is, if you bring Darnold back in 2021, that does not mean that you are committing to him as your long term quarterback. If you take the trade down path, that means somebody's got to play quarterback for you in 2021, and it won't be Fields or Wilson. And the most logical choice then would probably be Darnold, and you give him essentially one year. So for me, it's not so much Darnold versus Fields versus Wilson, because again, Darnold has not really shown enough to make you believe that he's the guy going forward, and you're not committing to him long term. This is very different from when Adam Gase took over, when you knew that Adam Gase was going to have his fate tied to Sam Darnold's performance. I mean, that was pretty much why Gase was hired. He, he sold the Jets on the idea that he was the best guy to develop Sam Darnold. And that was, a, I mean, anybody who took that job knew that Sam Darnold was the quarterback they were building with going forward. 
this situation is more a matter of which technique do you want to use to build it's how, how do you want to move going forward and if Darnold is back, he's in the last year of his contract. So you're not necessarily committing to him for the long run. It's more the, the best option that we have, or maybe the least bad option that we have. Because we've decided to trade down and build up the rest of the roster, the best option that we have is just to give Darnold one more try, and then we'll assess it after this season. And people may ask, okay, well, what do you do after the season? You, find, you figure it out then. I think sometimes when people look at these situations they see uncertainty in the future as a reason to not necessarily pursue a certain course but i don't think there's anything wrong with entering the season and saying we're going to let the situation play itself out and we'll see what we do after the season we'll see how darnold does so you know ultimately it comes down to whether you think one of these guys is a franchise quarterback and whether you think that that's worth more than the package you get because you know we can talk hypothetically about trading down the Jets getting, you know, five first round picks in a trade down is very different from trading down and getting like a third round pick. You know, one of these, I think you'd have to take. The other one, you probably would not take. So, you know, a lot of it comes down to just how you value these. You have to figure out a way, even though young quarterbacks and draft future draft picks are very difficult to quantify in terms of value, you have to figure out a way to do it because that's really the only way you can you can determine what the right move is for your franchise. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Football might be over, but the NBA, college basketball, and the NHL are in full swing. Bet online also covers awards, TV shows, and reality TV with real-time updated odds and props on almost anything you can imagine. Bet Online has you covered for all the news, scores, and odds. It's the best place to place your bets, and it's free to sign up. Head over to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit when you, you use promo code LOCKEDON. It's one word with no space, L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N. Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. This is the Locked On Jets podcast on a Mailbag Wednesday. Our next question, Joe Douglas has four years left on his contract. Robert Sala apparently has a five-year contract. Isn't that enough for them to want a new quarterback on a four-year rookie contract with a fifth-year option? Sam doesn't fit into the four- or five-year plan. Yeah, I think that a, a new quarterback would certainly fit within their rebuild. This is not a situation where you have to win this year. You know, if you're some, sometimes you get into a situation as a general manager where your job is on the line and maybe you don't want to live through a quarterback's growing pains as a rookie. That's not the situation here. A rookie quarterback fits perfectly within the Joe Douglas Robert Salad time frame. You know, when it, when you're new on the job, it's much easier to take a quarterback and live through the process of the quarterback developing. That said, you know, you probably only get one shot at it. You know, if you're Joe Douglas or Robert Sala, if you draft a quarterback second overall this year, there's a very good chance that your job security in the future is correlated to how this player pans out. It's very rare that a general manager gets to pick a second quarterback if his first quarterback fails, and it's very rare that a head coach gets a chance with the second quarterback if his first quarterback fails. Now, sometimes it happens. You know, Sometimes you're able to build up a strong enough roster that you can absorb a quarterback's failure doesn't happen often but it does happen but the most likely scenario is that if you draft a quarterback that's the guy your job is tied to you're betting your career on that guy so that comes down to the question of do you think any of these guys is good enough this year because if you don't 
then you're betting your career on a guy who you don't think is going to pan out, and that just doesn't make sense. And because Douglas still has four years left on his deal, and because Salah is on a five-year contract and entering his first year with the Jets, they do have time. So in the event they don't like these guys, again, you're not committing to Darnold for five years. You may just go back with Darnold for one more year and wait until next year to see whether there's a quarterback that you like better than one of these guys. And I'm not saying that's necessarily the way it plays out because a Fields or a Wilson or you know one of these other guys would fit perfectly within the Douglas salad time frame. But they also have the luxury of waiting a year because they still have so much time left if none of these quarterbacks is what they're looking for. Our next question, I think we're sleeping on Patrick Owasso. He's a safety converted to a weak side 3-4 inside linebacker. Why can't he play off-ball linebacker in Salah's scheme? He ought to be cheap coming off an injury a season with injury. He played next to Mosley in Baltimore and has a relationship with Douglas. Why not sign him to a short contract and let him play for a spot? I don't think it's possible to be sleeping on Patrick Owasso. Guy played one game last year. In fact, you may not, a lot of our listeners may not know who Patrick Owasso is. He was a free agent the Jets signed from Baltimore who was brought in to be a depth player. Uh, he has starting experience. Again, he has played next to C.J. Mosley, but he was pretty much hurt the entire year. And even though the Jets needed a lot of replacements at linebacker due to various issues, you're talking injuries, you're talking opt-outs, you're talking trades, Owasso played one game. So, I mean, I don't have much faith in him. Look, if he's going to come back for the minimum, he does have starting experience. It's not a terrible idea, I guess. I mean, bringing him to camp on a minimum deal, seeing what he could do, I guess you could do worse than him. But, I mean, after last year, I don't think I'd really count on him for anything. Our next question, would you pay a premium talent such as Allen Robinson from a teaching and culture standpoint, considering that any prime years he has left would likely be wasted on a rebuilding team at a great expense. I don't know that I necessarily agree with that. I don't think the Jets are five years away from building a winner. In the NFL, you're never five years away from building a winner. This is a league where you can turn things around quickly because of the way things work, because of your ability to draft immediate contributors or guys who come in and are able to contribute to your team by year two, or the way you're able to shed bad salaries. 2020, in many ways, this is kind of one of the untold stories of the Jets' 2020 season. It was a year where they were just getting some bad salaries off the book. They had a lot of dead money this year from bad contracts, so it was kind of a, a year where they reset their cap. It's one of the reasons they're in the position they are now to spend this offseason in free agency, is that they spent 2020 essentially getting bad deals off, off the books. And that's one of the reasons they were not as active in free agency last year, is that it was just a, t a total reset year. So I don't know that it's necessarily a case where Allen Robinson would never play on a good Jets team. But beyond that, you know, if we're talking about young quarterbacks, if we're talking about the Jets drafting a rookie, you want him to, you want that quarterback to have as many reliable targets as possible. So I think that even in a world where the Jets are not good in 2021, if, it's, if you have a rookie quarterback, it's important for that player's development to have quality targets. So I think that from, just from that sense alone, even if the Jets aren't going to be good, it would make sense to go after a big receiver target in free agency. Built Bar is the best tasting protein bar ever, and the improved Built Bar is even more delicious. There are six new flavors, caramel brownie, cookies and cream, cherry barcia, lemon almond cheesecake, and carrot cake, and apple almond crisp. To go with the 12 original flavors, coconut almond, raspberry, German chocolate, peanut butter, banana bread, mint brownie, salted caramel, double chocolate, orange, toffee almond, coconut, 
and peanut butter brownie. The bars are covered in 100% chocolate, and they're soft and easy to chew. They are healthy, they're low-calorie, low-sugar, high-protein, and high-fiber. And if you go to BuiltBar.com right now and use promo code LOCKEDON, you'll get 20% off your next order. Again, that's promo code LOCKEDON. It's one word, L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N, for 20% off at BuiltBar, B-U-I-L-T-B-A-R.com. This is the Locked On Jets podcast on this Mailbag Wednesday. Our next question, with all the talk about building around Darnold and blaming everything around him, could you compare how Flacco did in his four games in the same offense to Darnold's performance in 12? Statistically, it looks like Flacco did better, but that was against weaker defenses. Was the game plan that different for Flacco? Flacco was not better. I feel like people are so down on Darnold that like they're just comparing anybody to him and, and assuming that they were better. Flacco was not really better. The off, They were still the worst offense in the league with Flacco. If you look at the points per game the offense scored with Flacco in there, it was about the same as what they did with Darnold. I mean, the two biggest differences for Flacco were one, that he was much more willing to throw the ball down the field. And I don't know whether that was a game plan thing or whether it was just decision-making. But Flacco, if you look at his rate of deep passes, Flacco, I think, was either at the top of the league or near the top of the league in deep passing attempts as a percentage of his of his throws. So, I mean, that's one thing. And second was he was less prone to interception. Now, that said, he still was not very effective throwing the ball down the field. If you look at his numbers, he was not an effective deep ball thrower. And while his turnovers were less, there still were some terrible turnovers. I mean, there were there was an interception in the fourth quarter against New England that played a big role in the Jets losing the game. It was a terrible interception. He threw a terrible pick six in the game against the Chargers. So ultimately, Flacco was not better. Now, that's because Flacco was bad and Darnold was bad. These were two bad quarterbacks this year. And my biggest thing is, I don't know how you could look at Flacco's season and say, this is a guy the Jets should bring back. I don't see how you could look at what Joe Flacco did in 2020 and think that this guy was an asset to this team. The fact that we're discussing whether, the fact that we're arguing whether Sam Darnold or Joe Flacco was better shows you how bad both of them were in 2020. And the argument for bringing Darnold back is essentially that, you know, he's young and you're hoping to get some upside if you do that. I don't see any argument for bringing Joe Flacco back. Joe Flacco was one of the least effective quarterbacks in the NFL in 2020. Just because Sam Darnold was awful does not make Joe Flacco any less awful. Joe Flacco was bad. You you don't need to praise Joe Flacco to point out how bad Sam Darnold was this year. So I don't think Joe Flacco was productive at all. I don't see where the evidence, I don't see any evidence Joe Flacco was better than Darnold. See, it's the perception a lot of people have. And again, that's not defending Darnold. Darnold was terrible, but I think people are vastly overrating the performance Flacco had because this was still the worst offense in the NFL when Flacco was in there. And there were still some brutal, brutal moments. Our next question, do you think Joe Douglas will tag Marcus May, give Marcus May the franchise tag? It sounds like there's some buzz that the Jets would look at doing that if they cannot lock him up to a long-term extension, although my hope is that they figure out a long-term deal at a reasonable price. In 9 out of 10 cases, you're better off locking the player up long-term because it gives you, first of all, it gives you certainty. If they are able to sign Marcus May to a three, four-year contract, now you don't have to do this whole thing again next year. But the second aspect of this is that typically when you sign the player to the long-term extension, 
their cap number goes down. So you're not paying the guy as much as you would under the franchise tag. And from the player's standpoint, look, the franchise tag is not necessarily a bad case for the, for the player because they get a contract at the top five of their position. But generally speaking, the player would prefer to have a long-term deal too because it's more guaranteed money. Typically, you, know, if you get more guaranteed money. So even though you know you may say, well, why don't you just wait, play, out, play the year out on the franchise tag and then sign the contract and then you're better off. Yeah, for some guys that works out. But football, of course, is a game where your career can change radically in an instant. This is a sport where there are constantly injuries that change a player's ability to produce and a player's ability to get a big contract. So most guys, even though you know you could say that you could make that argument that well, if you play you play the year out under the franchise tag and then sign the big year big contract next year, you make more money in the long run. Most players, would, I think, would prefer the certainty of just getting the big guaranteed deal right now. So the franchise tag is an interesting concept in that nobody's ever really happy when it's used. The team's not really happy because the team would rather give out a longer-term contract. The player's not happy because the player would prefer a longer-term contract. So it's, it's one of those situations where, with nobody happy, maybe it incentivizes you to work out a, a long-term deal that works for everybody. But... Listen, I think it's obvious it would be nice to see Marcus May back with this team next year, as long as the two sides can work out a deal. And if they don't, then yeah, I do think that there's a good chance the Jets will use the franchise tag on him. That's all for our show today. Thank you for listening. This has been the Locked On Jets podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. As always, if you enjoy our show, subscribe to it and leave it a good review. I hope you have a good Wednesday, everybody. We'll be back tomorrow to talk more Jets.